welcome, 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 podcast listeners. You are here with your host. It is Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. That is me. Woo! You are joined also by, oh my gosh, it is Josh. Yeah, what, what fam? <laughs> I mean, why not? Why not? Um, <laughs> yeah, like last week, we had a super, super special Lee Harris edition where we got to talk about all of the famous people and like proper actual real musicians doing proper actual real musician shit. So like if you Stuff want that we don't do. Yeah, yeah. If you want a complete U turn from the usual podcast, go check that one out. It's really good actually. I listened to it. Uh I, I think I listened to it yesterday. It was really cool. Um Lee's Lee's an absolute gent. So yeah, check it out. And there's also some ba- bonus stuff on the Patreon. If you are not a Patreon subscriber, now is the time. Hot off the press. You get yourself some extra exclusive bonus stuff. Um, but this is this sounds like way, way, way too much like an actual podcast that I've thought about. So let's let's wind it back a bit here. Let's wind it back and get right back into the the fret talk groove. Oh, how are you, my man? Not so bad, not so bad. How are things with you, my friend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of ticking along. Um, Aren't we all? Uh, we've lost our drummer. Oh, which is a which is a shame. He's a he's a legend. We've had to do a few standings like recent gigs because he's been like double booked with other things, and it's just got to a point where he's gone. You know what? I'm letting you down more than I'm being reliable. So I'm just going to bear out here, and it's an absolute shame because he's he's a real ledge. Um, so pull one out to the to the homie. Um, and actually, our last gig. Um, my good buddy and Patreon backer, Mr. Adam Yeomans, came along and came and saw the band. Oh, did he? Yeah, and he loved it. He absolutely loved it. So It would have been uh, pretty sucky if he would have made that effort <laughs> yeah. to come along and then it's just like, nah. Yeah, yeah, it turned up and he was like, uh, you probably do better here, mate. Uh, yeah, because me, me and him used to be in a band way back in the day and we wrote some absolutely wicked material. Um, but this this kind of covers outfit. It was like, you know what, you guys are you guys are really tight. You got it. You got the got the thing down there. So I, I was happy with that. Like it's like it's praise from a from a dude who I used to like. I I cut my teeth um, doing the doing the rounds with him. So it's it's an absolute pleasure, and it's just really touching. Shows when how one much of, you've progressed. Yeah, and, and it's really nice when. When your mates come and make the effort as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But hey ho, uh, what you've been up to anyway, Josh? What what, what you've got some uh... gigging, gigging, gigging? Yes, uh, it's been non-stop gigs at the moment. Uh, we was down uh, last weekend uh, down in Horsham, down in South Kent, uh, nice. which was that's quite a uh, quite a troll then, that isn't it? Yeah, it was. It's a good three, three or so hours there, and three or so hours back. Uh, especially on funeral weekend, uh, the M25 turned into a car park, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is always fun. Uh, but had had a really good gig down there. We've already had an offer to go back next year, so we oh, should that's be wicked. doing that. And it gave us a chance to try our new full um, in-ear sort of rig, where um, essentially we are all running into um, a Behringer um, mixer, then there's splitter cable wizardry and magic Mm -hmm. um, in order so we can all have control via apps on our phones of what we have in our own ears. Oh, that's wicked. Um, So you've got your own, like your own, like bespoke monitor mix. Yeah. Um, And so regardless of whatever the, the sound engineers do, because sound engineers you can either love them or you can hate them. Let's be let's be totally honest. Yeah, they're not always uh, sound engineers, are they? Yeah. Um, no matter what he does, um, we still get the same sound because what we do is we have our sound that goes into the mixer and then there's a 16 splitter cable, splitter snake, whatever you want to call it, that 
the sound guy takes yeah. of all the individual instruments and then obviously he can then do whatever yeah he he has his mix but you've you've all got your your individual mixes as well yeah exactly that's cool Um, that's cool so that obviously like we just then you know when we're in sound check we bring up whatever we need to on the phone like if i want more of my guitars i can if i want less of joe i can if i just want me and nobody else i can just edit it all on your phone um and it automatically then pre-saves it you know what we are we are living in we're living in a in a really really interesting time aren't we that is that's the future you know it was our first time trying it we tried it in rehearsals the week prior just to you know get it all working it's like right is this actually going to work and we did a quiet rehearsal yeah um and it was genuinely brilliant um And we, yeah, it's definitely going to be a system now going forward because it, it was just so much better having complete control over everything in your sound. Yeah. Um, and uh, all I did was, you know, just on the top of the, you know, the uh, the wedge that's kind of by the drummer, I just left my tablet, you know, up on display in case I needed to change anything. Um, during the setup, it just, you know, slide up a level or whatever. But it, yeah, it was really, really good, and it was really good to try it. It's a good gig; uh, people seem to enjoy it. And uh, yeah, next yeah. one. Is... I saw some stuff that you posted up. Actually, you posted up some videos, and I, they sounded really good. Yeah, Lisa's a fucking great singer. Um, we've had a lot of compliments about her and her, her vocal range. Yeah, um, which is which is good because I think uh, to have a. Um, a band that is, you know, with a female singer. If you have the wrong singer, they can all just sound the same. Uh, so we, yeah, with it, like with problem, you can get like generic, generic singers across the board, can't you? Like all, all yeah. the, <laughs> the the pub singers. I mean, the... uh, but... <laughs> Try to find yeah, the that's, note. That's yeah. me if I sing. <laughs> um, but we've had a lot of good compliments. Yeah. Uh, and next gig is up in Wigan. Wigan, oh nice, the the home um, of Northern Soul, that is. Yeah, uh, and I filmed a video for Pedalboards of Doom, which has not been released yet. Yeah, hopefully um, that will be coming out soon, won't it? Yes, got, hopefully. Got the editors on the on the uh, on the on the job <laughs> on the job, <laughs> uh, which I think is going to be a very useful uh, video for pretty much anybody in the guitar community. Interesting. I'm I'm not even privy to this one yet, so I'm I'm looking forward to to hearing this one out. Uh, it's something that we touched upon when you was over when we was doing some filming, and uh, I <laughs> now this is what a month ago or so. So we've all had a few <laughs> drinks since then, so we're probably somewhat forgetful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, oh, it's it's got to be over over a month now, isn't it? Yes. But uh, it will be a very good video for everybody. That's yeah, for sure. oh, I can't wait for it, mate. Can't wait for it. Right, I reckon it's about time that we head into the the podcast proper, and we do it the way that we usually do. We start off with a hot take. We start off with wrapping up the previous hot take, and this has been two weeks in the making, and it's left a little bit of a uh, little bit of a controversy here. So the, just to remind you, the, the hot take that we had was reverse headstocks make the most ergonomic sense. And it's, it was a, You couldn't call it more down the middle if we tried. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was a hard-fought battle and no side gained any ground. It was a split straight down the middle, 50-50. Josh's yay versus Matt's nay. I think Matt's was slightly slightly stronger than nay, but... <laughs> it was yeah so we're not allowed to use the words that he said on the podcast indeed uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to leave that open for uh i mean it's going to stay on the fret talk podcast group anyway but we're going to pop into it like maybe next week or the week after and see if if the scale has shifted and if it shifts then we will call call the the result then because we at the moment 
it's 50-50. It's a, it's a hung parliament. It is a stalemate. There is nothing that we can do. But we have got a spicy one this week, haven't we? Other than voting the set or voting the way of common sense and follow my word. <laughs> I mean, if you want to vote for Josh's uh, Josh's opinion, you can go for that. If you want to vote for Matt, you can go for that. Um, currently, if you're abstaining a vote, then that's the reason why we're in this situation. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't be one of those people that complains about a certain political party getting into power if you didn't vote. That's Don't it. Yeah, this is this is an allegory for for the uh, the political climate. This is <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right, so we're going to go for it, and we're going to go for this as so we we've got a hot take which kind of ties in with the news discussion kind of thing. We're going to go with the uh, the Rick Beato signature Les Paul. Well, it's it's not a Les Paul. It's like a Les Paul special two P nineties. Interesting guitar, but, 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 but. Should only touring acts get signature gear? Well, because this is a hot take, it's going to have to be a statement. Only touring acts should get signature gear. There we go. That is a statement, isn't it? It is, and it's a wrong statement. I mean, you can, you can, okay, let's elaborate on that, what you're saying. So... I would, if we were talking in a sense of um, back in, you know, kind of like the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, if you was an established musician, you know, it was from touring, you know, album cycles and what whatever business, yeah. you know, that the music, you know, the music community had at the time. But now that game is, especially since... YouTube and you know all that kind of yeah like the social media yeah um I think it's kind of become to the point now where the, the social media game has changed uh the way that the music industry works um and I think now that there's probably people now that are you know let's be honest, more popular due to having a social media presence, whether it's on, on YouTube or whether it's on uh, Instagram or Facebook and anything like that. Um, that holds its weight now, I think, more than album sales or, you know, touring cycles. I, I think having that social media presence now is more important. Yeah, um, and I've noticed I've had a few conversations with brands um, talking, you know, about you know artist, you know, deals and things like that. I'm not going to divulge who I've been, you know, in conversations with. Yeah. People know me. You probably, you know, you will probably have some ideas, um, and. Uh, they have all come to the same point and saying, you just, you know, this is not enough of that um, social media uh, following in order to kind of justify having somebody behind, you know, a brand behind you. And especially with Rick Beato, uh, what oh, yeah. he doesn't know about music isn't worth knowing. Uh, like, in terms of his socials, in, like, just if you just look at the social like the the analytics for the socials he he gets he pulls in the numbers um massively he definitely that, pulls in the numbers he's one of the biggest names in the in the guitar space just as a whole really yeah um you know i've i first come, uh, found rick from you know like what makes this song great and uh, yeah. some of the top 10 videos that he does now you know youtube is doing you know sort of all these generic top 10 videos is a completely different matter but that's kind of what brings in the success on youtube um and you know part of that success that he has with that is the fact that again like i was saying have what she actually knows about music artists uh production uh you know theory knowledge and if people are going to see him and people are going to see that, you know, he's kind of worked with Gibson on a signature model and he's going to, you know, regardless of who you are, 
you carry the name Gibson with you, it you know, it shows that you're not, you know, somebody that's just uh a nobody, so to speak. Yeah, I think the the social media backing really is uh like it's a it's a big big push these days. Like they say um touring musicians get most of their money on the merch rather than the actual tour these yeah. days. Um and like the popularity of guitar, you, you you find people who like people who've transitioned from like social media to uh, to become touring acts as well. Um like the um the guy from Eurovision, Sam Sam Ryder, was it? Sam Ryder, yeah. Yeah, he was a like he was a big TikTok star. And that then propelled him to go on to do the Eurovision and now he's he's everywhere. And I think um I don't know too much about them, but I think Polyphia did things like that as well, where they where they were doing like YouTube stuff. And then because of that it's propelled them into becoming like an actual touring act. Yeah. Um and you know, you can definitely see now that, you know, merch you know, everybody wants to have the latest sort of band merch and anything that's representative of a band that people enjoy. You know, for me, for example, you know, I've got like a drawer full of Ramstein shirts, you know. In it's it's, you know, horrendously overkill, I'm not gonna lie, but um <laughs> People want to represent, you know, be able to represent something in some way as somebody that they follow. Yeah. And I think with, you know, say with Rick Beata, say if you're one of, you know, his loyal followers, for example, you're going to be like, oh, you know, I want to be able to support him even more. I know what I'll do. I'll buy his signature Gibson or whatever. A a really cool thing about his uh, signature, uh, which I learned actually after posting this on, uh, on social media myself, is that a a portion of the um, proceeds of his stuff go on to um, like education funding of like the arts within America, yeah. and I just thought that was that's just wholesome. It's, it's it's a, just, it's I think just, you know the, it's understanding to say why Tory musicians should only be the ones to get signature guitars, but I feel like that's relevant to something maybe like 15 or 20 years ago. And yeah. I think now it's, you know, it's definitely more important to see, uh, say like, um, you know, Matt Heafy, you know, he probably makes more now of doing social media stuff with Twitch than he probably does with even, make, you know, making money from Trivium. I didn't or, know that he um, did social media stuff, I'll be honest. Yeah, he was one of the it. first big uh, Twitch streamers. Was he? Um, oh, wow. What's he do? Kind of, uh, please, please say he, he plays he Minecraft. Does, no, he, he, <laughs> he, he plays various games, but he also does, like, uh, once a week, he'll do, like, uh, music streams and, pl- like, playing through of, you know, like, a yeah, some of the trivium tracks, yeah. set list or, you know, any other bits and pieces. Oh, that's um, wicked. And then a lot of people wanted to follow down that avenue because of him. Yeah, um, like more, more more recently, you've got Justin Hawkins doing like yeah, um, he does like commentary on like music that people ask him to. So like, be modern music or music that they either like or dislike. I think that's just the way the internet's going now. Is that you know having that. That social media presence um, kind of outweighs your sales in a way. Yeah, and that that's the bottom line, isn't it? If um, it's it's whoever can like push the units for the company, it's it's a business decision. And can Rick Beato's name uh, sell sell more guitars than I don't know? Who, like who who's in the the pop charts at the moment? <laughs> Saying like such an old you know, fucking man. I genuinely couldn't tell you. <laughs> but but that's it, isn't it? I mean like say for example, who's gonna shift more um more units? Is it gonna be like Rick Beata who's got like millions of subscribers on YouTube, or is it someone like, say, Guthrie Govan, 
who is out there like playing the music and he's is doing like those sessions and and whatnot. Both like both of them have signature instruments, but who's going to be the one who who sells them more? And you're probably talking uh, Beata, aren't you? He's yeah, got, like, and I think his uh, demographic as well. They're an, an older um, demographic, the ones who've got a bit more, a bit of money. Yeah, a bit, a bit more kind of disposable income, and aren't really going to bat too much of an eyelid at dropping because I think it's like one and a half thousand. I think something like that. Uh, I think. Let me just have a quick look, and I'll let me but, just have a quick Google and find out. Yeah, so it's, it's about fifteen hundred. Yeah, I mean, for, like for a special, that's quite a lot of money, but in terms of guitars, that's kind of. It's almost the mid-range these days, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a relative. Uh, yeah, okay, so yeah, uh, PMT, uh, 1,593. Uh, so, so there you go. So we're talking, it's probably going to be the same in dollars as well, isn't it? Kind of 1,500-ish. Yeah. Which is, the, like you say, is is the kind of about money that you would pay for a sort of signature guitar. I think the only sort of bands now that kind of get the um the the note I guess the the notoriety for you know warranting a signature guitar purely from touring alone is like Metallica you know big big bands like that that don't have a social media presence really in terms of I bet they probably you know, will it's it's not going to yeah but the the social media will be like Pictures of them on tour, rather than them creating yeah, con- a- like actual exactly. content for. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get you what you mean. Um, and that's a really good place actually to segue. But before we do, we we're going to remind our listeners that this will go as a poll in the Fret Talk podcast group. So make sure you vote on it if you think that only touring musicians or, or only like quote unquote musicians should be getting um, signature signature gear then vote a yes or a no if you think it's it's more of a social media thing you need to vote that no but it, the poll will be in the fret talk podcast group um possibly when this this episode comes out if i can if I remember to do it we'll, we'll find out <laughs> who knows who knows uh so yeah we we were talking then this is going to be our discussion section we're talking uh about metallica and uh and their signature guitars we know that our Kirk has um, has acquired not so long back the Greeny Moore Les Paul, which and... is probably one of the most famous guitars in the world. Oh yeah, yeah, it's what it, like it's it's it was with Peter Green and with Gary Moore. Like the the prestige behind that is undeniable. So we've got um, Gibson Custom Shop are talking about doing a very very limited run of fifty. Um, with real actual rosewood boards so that they're going to be sighties restricted, which means that they will be America only. There is no price come out yet. I have a feeling this is going to be expensive. Oh, absolutely no doubt. No doubts whatsoever. I've put my chips down and have said this is probably going to be a 20K guitar. Yeah. This is probably going to be that kind of astronomical price because it's going to be. I mean, 50s. If the, was it the tall? What uh, the tall Adam Jones Les Paul was ten. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I you think. talk, you're talking like standard custom runs are getting up into that, um, like double thousand pound figures. So I'm I'm gonna I'm putting the chips down here and I'm saying twenty thousand is perhaps even on the conservative side. We might even be talking like twenty five, who knows? Um but we'll find out that. The question is the question around this is who is this guitar for? Because like Metallica fans require a certain sound, don't they? 
Yes. They require an EMG, a Floyd Rose, something very fast playing, something very modern. I say modern sounding. Sounds like the 80s, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, the greeny, greeny more less Paul is like Alnico 2 magnets. It's really, really low output. Very, very kind of touch responsive, dynamic, blues orientated Les Paul. And having seen Metallica a few times and seen this guitar up in person, yeah, um, it only gets used in songs like Fade to Black, Nothing Else Matters, you know, yeah. the, the, the slow style, more ballad ones. So I think that's where people are going to be kind of like, you know, they're going to go, oh, I want this because it's one of the most famous guitar, blah, 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 blah. And it's yeah. just like, if you're wanting to play a master of puppets on it, <laughs> yeah, it it definitely ain't for those guys, is it? It's not for the guys who want to just thrash out some some Metallica riffs. It, but like I'd say, they're gonna sell out because it's based on what, like you say, one of the most historic um, examples of a Les Paul, considered almost universally as like the the standard to hit. Yeah. Um, and there's numerous brands that have done their own <laughs> tributes. Yeah, yeah. It. And like Gibson in the past have done Greeny Moors as well. They've done like Collector's Choice Greeny Moors. Um so look, it's a re it's a rehash, but the market is there. The market look it's these these blues lawyers, blues dentists who are looking for that next collector's piece isn't it yeah these are they're going to be case queens a lot of them yeah they're going to be the sort of guitars where i can tell i can tell you now that people are going to say just stick so you know a 20 grand loan for example to buy it and yeah. they'll happily pay it off for a hundred pound a month or what or whatever. <laughs> take <business>. years, <laughs> fuck me. Yeah, uh, uh, but they know that they'll in ten years' time it'll be worth double what they paid for it. Oh yeah, like it's like the investment of it. You are going to get your money back on this because yeah. there's no way and that the they're going down. The the exclusivity of it and what it's based on is it's just too good not to. I mean, you know, in retrospect, like the RCK guitars that I've got, um, I've had offers for my silver one like four yeah. times the value of what I paid for it. Nice. Um, but if you're, you know, say if you're a, a, a proper Metallica fan and you bought the Greeny Les Paul, a proper fan won't sell it. They'll yeah. keep it. Yeah, yeah. And... So I think I I don't think there's gotta be many like many big Metallica fans who are going for it. No. You might get the one or two. I think you might get quite a few collectors who are thinking this is a like a, a rare piece of history. We're gonna keep this. Um yeah, and, and those people who are looking just to flip it in in the future because they know it's a, a nice sound investment. But We'll see. Like, I almost guarantee as soon as these go up for, like, pre-order, they will be sold out. I can almost uh, yeah, guarantee I mean, that. Look how quickly the Adam Jones ones sold out. You can't even get hold of any of them now. And I think they sold out within the first day. I mean, yeah. and if let's be fair, if the Adam Jones ones sold out that quickly, these are going to sell out even way before that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not Not to shit on Adam Jones at all. But he ain't anywhere near as famous as the Greeny Moore Les Paul. Yeah, everybody likes the Adam Jones one because it's a Silverburst custom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People like different. it because it's not a common color, you know. Essentially, that's why people like it. They don't yeah. necessarily like it for Adam Jones. They like it just because of how it looks. Yeah, and um, again, because it's that exclusivity the thing and... is as well. I think what people forget about, I mean, Kirk's one's based on a 57, the, the greeny one, I think it's a 57. And that for Gibson's was actually a horrendous year. 
the Gibsons because <laughs> there were so many models that were hit and miss. There was absolute dog shit models, and then you've got ones that are just the creme de la creme. Yeah, and I think it like back then it was because they were mostly being made by hand. It was a case of you could get five guitars out of the factory and none of them play anywhere near each other. And you might get one or two of them that are good and then the, the others that are rubbish. But it's it is that like all of the bad ones have been kind of butchered and and have found their demise. But the good ones have been kept hold of and played and played and played. And you see yeah. the like you see those ones, the the battered to fuck because like people have wanted to take them out and play them. It all depends on whether you had Manuel or Juan that was working on the gear line that day. I think I don't even think back then it was. Uh, I think it was slightly more more American, um, like the the production lines. I don't know Keith I, and Steve. That's it. But yeah, I mean, if if I won the lot, you know, if if I had the money, would I buy one? I'd have to have a, mm. a good chunk of change to to consider. Yeah, because if I like, if uh, tomorrow uh, I suddenly got twenty five k, I wouldn't go. The first thing I, I'd go go would go. Oh, I'll just buy a guitar. I mean, number one, I, my missus would absolutely have my balls for that. And, <laughs> and fair play to her because like. There's so much we could That's do with twenty five. If I had twenty grand for a guitar, I don't think I'd buy that. No, exactly. Like if, if for whatever reason the fairy godmother came up and gave me like a, a chunk of like a big old chunk of money, I, I might buy like a, a guitar worth a grand, two grand. Like I might treat myself to something quite extravagant, but I ain't I ain't dropping that kind of money on it. No. Get I mean, myself. if I was going to spend twenty grand on a guitar, I would, I would literally, you know, I would buy something like a fifty-nine or a sixties Les Paul, you know, one that was actually from yeah, you look at, look a legit than, old one, yeah, rather than oh, let's get a let's you know, a, basically an NOS, <laughs> yeah, 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 it's pretending to be old. I'd probably go for a um, like a seventies SG. They've got this massive, massive um, bridge system, and I just think they look wicked. Oh, is that the ones that kind of like? Um, ironically, I think Beato has one where the bridge is like six, sixteen yards further down than it should be, or something like that. Possibly, I don't know. I just I've, I've always looked at the um, the seventies SGs and just thought they look wicked, um, and all of the red ones. Of like being dyed in the sun so that they're not all now brown. They they're all like a, a walnut finish. You're like this used to be a cherry SG, and now it's now it's this kind of horrible furniture looking motherfucker. <laughs> I just love it. I absolutely love it. But there we go. Right, so we've got the MXR Super Badass Dynamic Overdrive. This. Hello, OCD. Yeah. So, this came out like about two weeks after the the announcement of um, Full Tone closing shop. Um, and so, is it an unofficial OCD? Can we confirm? And more importantly, is it too soon? Is is this too soon to happen? It's a genius piece of marketing. <laughs> I mean, it's they've they've got in quick, haven't they? Maybe they had this this design already in the bag, and they were just waiting for the moment. No, I don't think anybody necessarily knew that OCD. Well, full tone. Sorry, we're going to you know we're basically going to turn over. Um, I think that you know if it's something that is completely of their shall we say of their own making, then. I think they've probably timed, you know, been in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Slightly kind. It is kind of slightly uh, suspicious. <laughs> it's ironic, isn't it, that it's come out at, at this exact point? Yeah, 
um you know it, it, that could have just you know been the you know the way the cookie crumbles but yeah i mean uh, they could have already like already had it like a release date for it and then oh my god oh like full tone of folded what a coincidence well i had a discussion with somebody about this ironically enough uh about the the ocd and that if i remember rightly it was about three or four years ago there was a lot of people that I think were going around boycotting full tone because of something from, you know, somebody from somewhere, you know, in the company had said something and they're like, oh, let's boycott all the OCDs or something like that. Yeah. And it all went hush hush. Then all of a sudden, like, they're going for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of quid. Yeah. So there was. Um, there was things that surfaced about the customer service of uh, Mr. Fuller um, being not so nice to customers. Uh, like people had screenshotted emails, and then there was a bit of a boycott, uh, boycott full tone thing go on, and then that died down a little bit. People forgot about it, and then the whole um, BLM movement during during lockdown happened, and he'd put up some insensitive um, posts on his personal Facebook, which a lot of people who follow Full Tone also had like his personal Facebook on as well. And people took that as a, we ain't standing for this shit no more. Like kind of two strikes system. Yeah. Which, yeah, like fair enough. Uh, Like, it's not up to me to judge whether that is whether that's right or wrong, but that's that is the way that the cookie crumbled for uh, for that brand, and it's probably led to the demise of the like if if not like the the biggest contributing factor, it has been a factor. But but you got to think of your fan base, uh, you know, to t- to an extent, um, yeah. and. Uh, prime example of this is like one of my tattooists when COVID, you know, when COVID came out and people were on about, oh, you know, 5G, you know, oh, it's all linked to 5G <laughs> and you, you know, the conspiracy theorists that I'm on about. And my we, tattooist we all <laughs> was posting it saying, no, it's all government and blah, 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 5G, hocus pocus. And I'm just like, what are you on, mate? Yeah, have those like tattoo fumes got to your head over the years? Yeah, um, yeah. You, there's you, a guy you, who I you used to work with. You don't mix business with lifestyle. I think yeah, that's yeah. the way to word it. Yeah, like it's putting those opinions out, isn't it? it? Like, if if you want your business to remain a business, you keep like you, personal you, out of it. Yeah, yeah. You keep your personal opinions out of it, unless that is your brand. Like the influencers, the social media guys, part of their brand is like selling that personality. So possibly for them, yeah. Like when Eric Clapton came out <laughs> and was <laughs> like a big anti-vaxxer, I think it's more understandable there because like part of part of him is that you follow his story as well as his music, isn't it? Um <laughs> and then he ended up doing a fucking anti-vax song about like with Van Morrison. What a dickhead! Uh, but yeah, like that's enough about that anyway. Like, it and at the end of the day, if MXR have been able to cash in on an opportunity at the right time, then absolutely fair play to them to get to get it back onto topic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think like in terms of like the market though. I don't think anyone like prior to the um the shutting down of full tone the like there's so many um OCD inspired pedals anyway that is is this really all that relevant probably not yeah like it's another another overdrive pedal in a in a market where there's a lot of overdrive pedals but speaking of uh, speaking of drive pedals, the big muff, the big muff. How how can we make that? How can we drag that one into the twenty first century by turning it into an interface? That's how. 
Well, it's a bit more than that, isn't it? Actually, so the plugin and an interface. Yeah, well, it's called the hardware plugin, but it's it allows you to have presets built into the pedal, so you can have log settings within the the big muff that you can switch between. But yeah, the the big selling point of it, and what what it's saying, like the hardware plugin, is basically that it becomes a an interface so that you can plug it directly into your digital audio workstation and record record straight onto onto your computer through it is this like is this where pedals are going in the future is this is this what's going to happen so what's the what's the upside of this and what's the kind of the drawbacks of it Upside is most audio interfaces tend to look quite bland. This is the coolest looking interface I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, look. And I want to buy it just for the fact that you've got a big enough pedal as the interface. I absolutely (laughs) love it. Yeah, I suppose it is. Look, it's a a big muff coloured, like big muff styled interface, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can go straight through and you can like switch the big muff off and just use it as a clean interface. I don't know if that's possible. I think I, I think, think you it... should be able to because it's got because it's got the bypass switch on it, so I imagine you can. Yeah, but I don't know if switching that just turns your signal off. Who knows? But anyway, let's let's assume that you can. Um, Electro harmonics. If you're listening, send us a message on pedal board to do, and I'm willing to test this out for you. Yeah, that's it. Look, I'll do it. I'll do an absolutely free demo on this if you want me to. Like, same one this way. Um, so, is it the future? One of my um, one of my Instagram people. I'm gonna pull up exactly who it is because this is an absolutely <laughs> like th- this comment is absolutely spot on. It's just complete, like completely correct. They said um, on all guitar pedals. <laughs> hardware interfaces as long as you plug them into a DAW. Oh, they didn't do it on they didn't do it on um Instagram, they did it on Facebook. I'll I'll see if I can find it. Cause that person deserves a shout out. But like it's a fair cop, isn't it? Like I could plug any of my guitar pedals into like a cheap like a Behringer interface you can get for like twenty five quid. I could plug any of my guitar pedals into that Behringer interface and it works pretty much the same. It doesn't have the presets. Don't get me wrong, it's not got all the features. But 25 quid for a um a Behringer interface with I think it's got like a Midas preamp as well. So it's it's not bad quality. It sounds pretty good. Um and I I've got the um the luxury, the versatility of plugging any uh, any pedal in there? What what say you? I think the fact that that somebody, no offense to whoever said this, that you can plug any pedal in and it's an interface or whatever is a plug-in. What are you smoking? Hang on. The whole point. There we the go. Yeah. Point. So it's it was it was John John Boy. Guitar pedals are the guitar pedals for your DAW. <laughs> I love but that's it. a moronic. But that's a moronic thing to say. Say if you are on the. Say if you're just on a train, for example, and you're fiddling with an album that you you know a track that you've done. You've got the DI. All you do is you boot up the plugin and you tweak it through there. You're not going to go. Oh, hold on a second. Let me just pull out my guitar pedal. Let me send the signal into that pedal, then let me send it back into the interface, so then I can read. It's called a plug-in for a reason because it's on your computer, so you don't have to take the pedal with you. But the the, the point is that the you're using the pedal anyway, like you're using the the big muff pedal as the interface anyway. So there's not much more steps. Like any, the only th- extra step is you using an outboard interface rather than the interface built into the big muff. The thing, the big thing that strikes me on this one, how much does this one cost? Have you got a price up for this one? Because uh, I can get a price up. Like a regular Big Muff is what, 70 quid? Something like that. Like the big box ones are somewhere in the 100 region. But it's not an expensive pedal because it's the three knob 
distortion fuzz kind of deal, isn't it? I think these... Um... So this is for the interface and the like the actual Big Muff pedal interface, Doobery. Yeah. Um, and uh, the plug-in is £329. Yeah. Now, my Scarlet 4i4 interface, which has uh, 4 in, 4 out, was... Three hundred. Yeah. I well, think. this this has got to be a one in one out, isn't it? Because it's yeah, it's a a guitar pedal. So this. Well, no, it's got it's got mono um it's got mono left and right. So okay, so we're talking like a a Scarlet two i two then. Like the equivalent is about one hundred and fifty quid. Yeah. Yeah. So you could buy a Scarlet two i two and a Big Muff for less than this. But then again, if you say if you're somebody that does a lot of digital work and you know reamping stuff like that, yeah, this this doesn't do reamping. This just does straight through. This like you've, you, so it you has get... got a, it has got a bypass. It has got a, a bypass with inbuilt of it. Oh, but this like the functionality isn't any different than having a. a... A big, like a standalone big muff, and an interface, or this big muff interface all in one package. You get the same, uh, same ability using that. But you're not going to be carrying a big muff around with you everywhere. Well, I don't, I don't know. But, but you have to carry do, the big but... muff around if you want to use it as an interface, anyway. Because, but <laughs> it's. it's... <laughs> Electromagnetics. What have you done? Look what you started. But it's, <laughs> I, think it's no I think we've got a future hot take, haven't we? <laughs> it's no different from me taking my normal interface around to my mate's house and going, oh, "Let's plug into Neural DSP or whatever." It's exactly the same. It's just an interface. Yeah, but th- that's what I'm saying. Like having the the things as separate things, like a big muff and an interface, or a big muff and an interface integrated together. You get the same experience. You're getting no additional, like apart from having presets on it, which you don't need presets on a fucking big muff. Don't be stupid. I just and to be honest, with any fuzz, you don't need presets. You need mats, and that's it. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, but you you'll find your tone. You go. That's my tone for this pedal. Click. That's on. Click. That's off. Those are your options. But anyway, I think we've pontificated too much about this. This big muff pedal, we have talked more than I think it deserves. <laughs> right, let's let's bring it up. Let's bring it up to a bit a bit more kind of light-hearted. Matt Bellamy, um, signature Manson has like a new version of it's come out. It's like a grand and a bit, I think. The the big feature of it, as always, is it's got an inbuilt integrated chaos pad. They they've been I've going for years. I've always wanted one of these just for the inbuilt chaos pad. Yeah, I mean the chaos pad. I I was um, intrigued to find that it's like the effects for the chaos pad aren't built into that. The chaos pad is basically like a a glorified uh, X and Y MIDI controller. So yeah, it just it's, it's essentially selects- like an expression pedal, but as a pad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do, yeah, you do it. So it, that then needs to be connected to something that makes the weird filter sounds or that something that makes the weird, like, distortion modeling or whatever. So, th- I mean, that's, it's a lot more involved than you'd think. Um, but the question is, what are the gadgets and upgrades that you secretly pine for? I mean, you've you've alluded to the fact that you you kind of want a chaos pad. Yeah, but it's it's like I would get that you know there's that um, there's an Ibanez one for about two hundred and fifty quid. But yeah, I think yeah, I, I think, think that's about realistically the amount I would spend on it. <laughs> it would literally be it would literally be for dicking about. Yeah, it was but, like an inbuilt like mini chaos pad, weren't it? Um, it... if I was actually, you know, having something you know inbuilt into a guitar, so to speak. Or, you know, 
I would I would love to have a sustainer. Because uh, to My be honest, man. I don't use a neck pickup really anyway. Uh, I can probably count on one hand the amount of times I've switched to a neck pickup in the last year. Uh, but with I this genuinely, the, I genuinely this is you can you still use the neck pickup because they've got got a pickup built in. Yeah, and, and then, then if you like switch the actual, yeah, yeah, and um, it's got the the kind of bar thing. But if you switch um, the sustainer on, it just switches to the other pickup, and the sustainer becomes the pickup. A lot the sustainer pickup then. So yeah. you've got you've got the option of both. What I would like to add into a guitar now, I feel like this is where like people are gonna go <laughs> under their breath. Um, I would really like to put an octave fuzz into a guitar's circuitry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, crazy shit like that happened in the seventies. They they were looking at like building in effects into guitars, weren't they? Yeah. Um, like I love octave fuzzes, and I'd love to be able to have like, say, for example, I loved the Honey Badger. Uh, so I'd love to be able to take that exact setting that I use, and then just have it like you know, um, like the Sustainiacs have like the little metal like a dip switch or whatever. You know, yeah, the yeah, the tiny switch. little toggle switch, and then yeah. like literally just have that to bring on to the guitar. Uh, I think that would be a really cool um feature. Um, I mean, Gibson did something something not too dissimilar, didn't they? They they had like the the burst driver or something like that, where it was they had basically inbuilt a tube screamer into the the Les Paul, and it had the controls on little like mini uh, mini knobs that were on the back of the control plate. You you just had like a little flick switch or something. I think it was actually built into one of the push pull pots. And you just you'd engage this this drive circuit. I'm trying to think what else I would actually like to have been built into a guitar. Yeah. Or a chaos again, like a chaos pad or whatever would be fun. Um. I mean, I think it, most of the things like like when you start to look at things like this are more for. It, Letting your hair down rather than yeah. actually being as of any fucking use. Yeah, like you, it's not your day to day. I mean, I always had the um, the impression that I wanted a guitar that did everything, and then I got a guitar that did everything. Like it's got, I've got a Protone Squire Tele, which has got a neck humbucker and a bridge. Like it's a tappable bridge, uh, like an overpowered Tele pickup, so you can go from like regular Tele. So like overpowered telly, and then you've got neck and then single coil. You've got in and out of phase as well. Um, so it's got all of these like little switches on it that gives you all of these crazy sounds. And I found myself using like two or three other sounds. So I, I kind of talked to myself out of some of this this stuff. I would really like to play a talk box. I, I've never never used one, and I'd really want to play one. So I think I'd it, like to try one. Yeah, it'd be really cool. And again, like the sustainer, I think, like, I don't think I'd ever really use it all that much. I think it would become an inconvenience because you've got to, like, make sure the battery's charged or, like, you, because it's nine volts with them, isn't it? So you've got to make sure that you've yeah. got a battery always on hand. Uh, like, ugh. Like, I'd like a guitar with a flamethrower, like, you know, Rammstein style. <laughs> I mean, there we go. Now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just like but, a, I don't know. Look at I, I want like a, a dispenser at the end of the headstock that does like party poppers. I so one of the best things I've ever seen, like as a guitar. I guess this is kind of like a finish. Was um, John Five has you know he loves his Telecaster, and he does he's indeed. got a, a Telecaster which he had the body carved out, and he's got LED lights oh, nice. on it. And he, when he flicks the switch, the LEDs come on. Um, and I believe that they actually, like, um, change colour in time with the music. Oh, look, they're sound sensitive. Yeah. And I'm like, that is fucking awesome. <laughs> My, that I would love. I had a friend who, who was, like, heavy into just fucking about with guitars. Um, and he ended up installing 
LED lights in the fretboard of his guitar. Like he bought this kind of like cheap beta version of his um of his like main gigging guitar, which was a a lag arcane, which is basically like a super strap, but like a French custom shop um super strap kind of thing. Um, Did he that... just give up any time he's seen anybody in a white shirt? <laughs> and no, no. <laughs> but look, look, it was it, like it was a really, like, genuinely really good guitar. Um, but like they did a cheaper model. They did like an Indonesian made one, and he bought one of them and like meticulously like stripped the, the fretboard off of the guitar to install these LED lights into the fretboard for the fret markers. That's uh, cool. And yeah, he got it working, but like. Then it started getting electrical problems, and he was just like, "My God, I don't have the patience to strip it all back again to then like find out where the issue was." But for for that brief moment, he had a, like a little flick switch that would allow him like a, a light up fretboard. I know Devin Townsend's got them built built into his um, some of his Framus models, and like he's got like a circle that lights up around the twelfth fret in like pretty um, cool. a rainbow color. And he did, although I, on on the subject of Devin Townsend, um, he had a V for, I, I can't remember the name of it. He had some weird name as Devin's stuff always does. Um, and he had it made, I think it was just for the Royal Albert Hall show he'd done a, few, a fair few years back. Yeah. And um, it was during a, a song called March of the Poozers. <laughs> and uh, he literally goes, all right, I'm going to do a really heavy metal thing right here. And he presses a button on the guitar and then smoke starts coming out of the guitar. It had a smoke machine built into the guitar. Nice. And I'm like, that is fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's a, a bit like the uh, the Ace Freely um, triple pickup Les Paul, where he'd flick a switch on it and then the middle pickup would start glowing and emit smoke from it. I bet that was like... Rather than like safe, like vapor smoke, this this was probably like a firework inside yeah, of this like a, cher- a little cherry bomb, or whatever yeah, yeah like back in the day where like health and safety weren't really a thing. It was just a yeah, <laughs> common sense yeah. was <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you flick this switch, you're basically gonna set off a firearm in your guitar. Don't worry about it. Just don't get too near the the bright flame. Okay, yeah, yeah cool. Just make yeah. sure you're. you're you haven't got your hand hovering over over the middle pickup as it as you turn it on. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Just put the things that make you all of this money near the thing that's on fire. Just do that <laughs> once a night, please. <laughs> oh, just uh, but it it worked, and that's that's how Kiss's stage show. That was like one of the many gimmicks that made Kiss's stage show like amazing. Um, we've got one last. One last little bit of uh, bit of discussion for this week, and then we're going to wrap it because we're coming up to the hour mark. Anyway, we have got the Fender Aerodyne series, so like the Aerodyne Strats, Tellys, and there's a bass, but who knows who knows which one of those it is. Um, it it made me start thinking. Made me start thinking. These things are rose. Uh, sorry, uh, basswood bodies. And they cost around the thousand pound mark. They are Japanese-made uh, instruments. They are of nice. high quality. Yeah, they kind of got a bit of a Charvelli look, haven't they? I'm just looking. I'm just looking at them because I must admit I didn't know much about these. Uh, that yeah. silver with a maple neck is nice. Yeah, the the Aerodyne series have been going for quite some years, and they they're basically like a a modern take on the on on that instrument, like a modern telly, a modern strap. Now, it's got a lot of flat fretboards already. Go on. It looks like a cheap guitar. It looks like a very cheap sort of like squire sort of just a, a, a bog standard starter guitar. It doesn't look um, expensive. Yeah, it doesn't look premium. My um, my, my issue was. For the price that you're paying, you're getting fender locking tuners. You're getting a gig bag. Yeah, you're not getting much in the way of what you would expect for the price. Well, like my my big uh, 
uh, question here is, like, these things come with basewood bodies, and basewood tends to be cheap. Yeah, one of the cheaper. Like the a lot of the Ibanez um, superstrats use it. I think like even down to like the expensive gems, but you tend to find it on the cheaper side of the guitar spectrum because it is yeah. relatively easy easy wood to get hold of. And it's, it's basically chipboard. <laughs> well, it's like base basewood. It's it's tonally quite neutral. It doesn't leave as much an imprint on as um, no. like alder and ash and mahogany and and those kind of quote unquote tone woods. Uh, but there's something in my mind that that uh, like associates basewood with this has got to be an affordable thing. Now these are coming in well over the the grand mark. Should should you ever be expecting basswood on a guitar that's over that threshold? No. <laughs> <laughs> like even when it comes to like the the top tier Ibanez stuff, like the RG prestiges and the the gems and stuff like that. Again, like you say, well, whenever I hear the basswood, basswood, however you want to pronounce it, yeah. I just think of cheap starter guitars. I don't think of high end quality. Yeah. Um, thirteen hundred pounds for a basswood guitar that looks cheap. <laughs> yeah, it's an it's a no from me. Right, and then we've got one final question with it here. All of these come as standard with two-point trem systems. Oh, sorry, all of the strats come as standard with the two-point trem systems. Should we retire the six-screw saddle? Sorry, the six-screw uh, strap bridge because the two-point trem system, for the most part, works. The six-screw uh strat trem system you have to really 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 work with them to get them somewhere near working yeah like if you're doing a little bit of light sort of you know vibrato whammy bar work that you know they can kind of you might get away with it once or twice yeah you ain't you you're not getting work like a, a night's worth of whammy bar use on no, a on no, a six no screw, chance. whereas the knife edge two point trem system generally quite stable. More often than not, I've found they've been been acceptable trem systems. I'm, I mean, I must admit, I haven't used one. Like, um, I've been predominantly used to Floyd Roses, and and the first kind of like. Uh, I mean, Floyd my Roses are one on my on my Stratton, but I don't whammy on it. So. <laughs> yeah, is that on the? Um, oh yeah, the your um, Mexican Strat is it? Yeah, on my yeah. Stratomacaster. Yeah, yeah, and um, that, that's so what I find with them. You you deck them, you leave them alone, and they're fine. Like they're really good hardtails. Strat Strat tremolo systems are like they work really well. In that situation, but the moment you like you even put a whammy bar in or look at it funny, your guitar's out of tune. <laughs> it's like a Gibson and a notorious G string. You, you just know you go, you, you accept that you're going to have tuning problems. Yeah, yeah. Like, why have they not fixed that already? Like, it's just need to get on it. Like, they know it's a problem. Why, why, why? But anyway, that's uh, that's our podcast for the week. We've we've pontificated enough. We've moaned and moaned and moaned about the the state of guitar. I think we've put put this the, is going to be the boomer special episode, isn't it? Put the world to rights. Oh uh, yeah, maybe it will. But you know what? We've had fun. Um, so we're going to extend a thank you to our listeners. You are amazing. We're going to extend an extra special thank you to our Patreon backers because you are people who pay us to do this, which is just very nice of you. Uh, was that your dog? I'm amazed you could hear the dog downstairs. <laughs> yeah, done a, done a good one there. Uh, so 
For as little as $2 a month, you can be one of these Patreon backers. They are the coolest kids in town. We've got Mr. Andrew Bimson. We've got Mr. Adam Yeomans of Chev Tone Effects. We have got Mr. Doug Christ of 37 Effects, of Masters of the Cinematic Universe, of the Just Surprise Me podcast. Booyah. We have got Mr. Hugh G. Rection. We have got Mr. Ben Fletcher of the the of the Fletcher Pickups podcast. No, it's not the Fletcher Pickups podcast. Uh, maybe coming twenty twenty three. Uh, no, a Fletcher Pickups purveyor of absolutely fantastic pickups. Or, like the majority of my guitars are Fletcher Pickups. Take from that what you will. And we have got Mr. Brian Geller of the Tone Jerks podcast and the Second Button podcast, which I was listening to today, and it's still fantastic. I've not watched Seinfeld in a while, though. I might have to catch up. Uh, he, also, he also appears on the Just Surprise Me podcast sometimes. Check it out. If you want to catch me online, you find me at Budget Pedal Chop. I am on Instagram, on Facebook, and on YouTube. YouTube is the home to the No Talk All Toad series, which this week featured the Rusty Fuzz by TC. Indeed. Surprisingly, very good. I really, really liked it. I might have to throw uh, a couple of quid to uh, Mr. Bimson's way because he he really graciously has sent me sent me through a couple of these pedals um, to demo because he was he was like he was making up a board and these didn't make it, so he sent me through some pedals and says like yeah demo worms like have have some fun with them and like when you're finished just send them back. So I might I might have to. Might have to see what he's saying with that rusty fuzz because it's just it's very good. I really liked it. Josh, where can we find you? You can find me at the Corona Mortis on Instagram. You can find my band at Paramore GB on Instagram. And if you want to find my YouTube, you can find me on the Pedal Boards of Doom YouTube channel and Josh Castle TCM, where I post covers and music and things. Yeah, boy. Right. From myself, Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. From Mr. Oh my gosh, it is Josh. It will be a tatty bye and good night for this week. What is big, long, hard, and has come in it? Go on. A cucumber. (laughs) Yes, yes. We're having that.